0: Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's still not morning. working. Am I, no? Yeah. Did, am I just projecting today? I don't know. i Mic for two. Wanna? Check, 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 check. Check, check. One. check. This is a good start. This is what you hope for. Right, go. Go. right here. There we go. Good morning. My name's Andrew, one of the pastors here. Uh, and I want to add just, really, I'm impressed that you're here. Uh, last week there was ice and it was gross. This week it's like, I don't know, negative something outside. Uh, so are any of you going to the game today? Crazy. Yeah, Pace, I knew it was you. You're crazy. Uh, Anyway, it's good to be here uh, in this warm building together, and so before we open God's Word, um, as we always do, let's pause uh, and pray, ask for his help to do this work of speaking and hearing from him, so let's pray. God, we're so grateful to have space together, together as your people, and I pray now in these moments as we Open your word that you would speak in ways that we need you to, desperately need you to speak to us. And we can't even hear your word speaking to us unless you're doing that work of opening our ears. So Holy Spirit, come and teach us, comfort us, convict us, encourage us. God, you know exactly what each of us need as we walk in this morning to hear from you. And God, as I speak your word after you, I pray that whatever I say that is of you, would be used by your spirit to shape us and mold us. And wherever I speak my own words, God, I pray they'd fall away and be quickly forgotten. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Well, who here thinks you'll wake up tomorrow morning and say, oh, thank God it's Monday? Yeah. <laughs> right? Not, not many of us. Uh, we, we often don't. Say that maybe tomorrow is a bad example because it's actually a holiday for many of us. So maybe you will. Mm-hmm. But what do we what do we usually say? Right? We say thank God it's Friday. 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 Yeah, TGIF. Those my my childhood was looking forward to that TV lineup. Right? It was amazing on Friday. TGIF. It's nothing like it. But we don't say that about Monday, do we? Because Monday it's not just a day of the week. It sort of that sort of ends the work week and or ends the weekend and begins the work week. It's really become synonymous with uh, right, all that we all that we dread, the things that we're looking forward to the least in our lives, are deadlines and, and bosses and meetings and projects, and keeping up a home and raising children as much as we love you, kids. You're a lot of work to raise. Right? All these things that we kind of come to dread about our lives, hospital appointments, estate planning. Are these retirement days and weeks and months and years that we were looking forward to so much but now our struggle to, to fill all that time right all of these things you add it all up and that's Monday no wonder we are not excited to see it come and yet we are called to follow Jesus into all of it right into every sort of corner of our lives we are called to follow him not just inside these walls on this Kind of during this tiny little sliver of our of our week, which is why as a church we're in this series called Church for Monday. We've undertaken this task of really reclaiming the metaphor, which is maybe which is a tall task, reclaiming this idea of Monday. We're going right after it and making it our aim as a church, because we're not just a church for Sunday, right? For preaching and for great programs, for singing together. As good as those things are, as much as we want to do those things as we gather, we're not just a church for Sunday, nor do we think you're only prepared for your discipleship with Jesus when you're in these chairs or at Bible study or participating in youth group. No, God is shaping you through your Monday just as much he's preparing you for your Monday. So we want to be a church that's prepared for all of life, all of us, whether you're six, or 66. Whether you stay at home, or you're just about to leave home. Whether you're you're paid for the work that you do, or whether you're not paid for the work that you do. Whether you're with the person of your dreams, or that feels like the farthest thing away from you. No matter your, your station or vocation in life, we want to follow Jesus faithfully, period. So we're walking through This series called Church for Monday, and these seven marks should be up on the screen so that we can grow into this kind of church together, these people that are following Jesus in all of life. So last week we talked about the cross and all of its strangeness, right? Jesus invites us to to follow him, to take up his cross, and he offers us life, right, on the other side of what? Death. It's a paradox that life sort of comes on the other side of this the symbol of, of the tool for execution, for shame, for public humiliation, and ultimately for death itself. And we find ourselves in a similar place this week, a similar invitation, surprising, confusing, but precisely what we need together as a church. So if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 11, where Tim just read. I'll be teaching from the NIV this morning, I brought my trust, this is the Bible that I learned, I I fell in love with reading scripture with this Bible that now has gaff tape on the edge, Mm -hmm. sorry about that, but we'll be in the NIV this morning, Matthew chapter 11, we'll be zeroing in on verses 28 through 30, Tim read them, I want to read them again, we can't hear these words enough, Jesus says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I'm sure you heard it in there. Many of you were ready for it. Um, Jesus promises that He will give us rest in this thing called a yoke. Just like there's no life without a cross. Or the other side of death is where you're going to find life. Jesus says, there's no rest without a yoke. Now, some of you have no idea what that means, uh, because we, we really don't talk about yokes. It's not—it's not definitely not as common or as, as popular as the cross as a symbol for the Christian faith. Others of you are like, another sermon on the yoke? Really? <laughs> Believe me, I get it. But whether this is brand new for you or it's, or it's old hat, you've been at Christ's community for long enough that you've heard us talk about the yoke. These words for the weary, for the burdened, for the tired, they should never grow old for us. And the yoke, it's, it's a metaphor like the cross It's worth our time for reflection this morning a little bit more deeply. So we're going to work through this text, talk about the yoke, make three observations, talk about it in three ways, sort of beginning with This promise that Jesus makes in verse 28, which is, Come to me, all you who are weary, tired, burdened, worn out, and what? I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. Jesus says, come to me, take up my yoke, you'll find what your soul really needs there. So first, the yoke of Jesus is a place of rest. Which sounds really nice, right? I don't know about you, I I could take some rest, be happy, be happy. To, to answer that invitation. But it's, but it's really like, it's, it's just like saying the cross of Jesus is where I find life. It's, it should be surprising. Jesus invites us to something that we desperately need in a way that we would never expect or choose. We'd rather and say, come to me. I've, I've bought you this pillow. Take this pillow and I'll give you an amazing night's sleep. Right? That's, that's what you'd expect Jesus to say. When he's offering this promise of rest to the weary, but he doesn't say that, does he? He said he offers a yoke, which is this ancient farming tool. It's uh, an agrarian picture. It's foreign to us, but it wouldn't have been really to Jesus' listeners. And Jesus, as a carpenter, he probably would have made plenty of these for people. So what are they for? Well, you would take a yoke, uh, you would hitch two oxen together to plow or to pull, They'd be shoulder to shoulder, sort of eyeball to eyeball. And when you had a young ox, uh, you'd, to train them, you would you would yoke them to a seasoned ox, to an ox who had done it before. So little Timmy, that's his name, one of them, maybe, oh, that was close. We're really doing it here today, guys. Uh, little Timmy, he can't just do whatever he wants anymore, right, because he's in this yoke, so maybe he wants to go this way. But no, he's, he's hitched to Bessie. We're going to call her Bessie, the seasoned ox. And and maybe Timmy wants to go off and walk this way, but he can't. He's yoked to Bessie, and Bessie says, no, this is how we plow. We go this way. And Timmy has no choice but to go with Bessie. And over time, little Timmy will learn his purpose on the farm through submitting in the yoke to the master. He learns just to be like the seasoned ox who had done this before, which sounds nice when you're talking about life on a farm and animals and oxen. It's another thing when it's your neck, and it's your freedom, and it's your life. Because I don't know about you, I don't really like to submit to anyone. I really like to be told which way to go or what to do. Fine for the ox, but I'm good. Just like nobody wants a cross, nobody wants a yoke. Because it's not just a farming tool, it's also a metaphor. It's used in Scripture about 50 times. Most often as this metaphor for submission, for slavery, for bondage, almost always, of course, in a negative way. Nobody nobody would have looked at a yoke and thought, ah, vacation, right? Rest, this is what I I need to recharge and unwind. Galatians 5 is a great example where where Paul calls the law a yoke of slavery, says he He's really upset with the Galatians. Why have you gone back to this yoke of slavery, this law keeping, when I've given you life in Christ? And I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in his paraphrase. He says, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. That's the context here in Matthew 11, is what what Paul was teaching about in Galatians 5, Jesus is making an invitation to people who are so oppressed by the religious systems of the day that they he calls them weary and burdened. Burned out on religion, says Peterson in the message. And Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest in the middle of that. Now, how can Jesus invite weary people to a promise of rest? By offering them a yoke, a symbol of Slavery, and bondage, and oppression. Well, simply put, the yoke in G- Jesus' yoke is different, right? He takes this symbol of, of oppression and bondage and he turns it upside down on his head. The yoke of Jesus is a place of rest in part because of what we talked about last week, right? That the cross of Jesus has taken away our sin, right? We are forgiven freely. It's free of charge. There's no more striving to make yourself acceptable to God. You can come as you are tired and burdened and broken and submit to Jesus, the one who cares for you enough to give his life for you. And so in the yoke, the creator, God, the son himself, the one who in verses four and five of chapter 11 has has healed the blind, He's given the, the blind sight, the lame can walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, Good news is preached to the poor. That son of God who has come for you and for me, he extends you an invitation, not to a religion, not to a rule book, not to a set of expectations that you have to live up to to make yourself acceptable to God. No, it's not not an interview where you come and prove yourself. It's an invitation to come and participate in the rest that God's already secured for you where you can bring your burdens and trade them for rest. It sounds about like about the best exchange that you could imagine. The yoke of Jesus is a place of rest, and he invites you to come with nothing but your tired, weary, burdened soul. And he'll give you exactly what your soul needs, which if you're anything like me, You're not really sure what that is all the time, what your soul needs, what would really give you rest. We think, if I work enough, on the other side of my work, I'll find it. Or if I just earned enough, I'd find rest. I could finally recharge. Or if my weekend was just just long enough. my vacation was just good enough. If I just had one more hour of Netflix, right? Once my kids are older, once my house is nicer, once retirement comes, go ahead and fill in the blank for whatever it is for you that you think is going to bring you rest. On the other side of whatever it is, we all have our own ideas about what might actually recharge us. But Jesus says, come to me. It's a personal invitation to be close to him. Not just on Sunday, but throughout the week. In every corner of life, Jesus says there's no real rest outside of being with me in my yoke. And there aren't really any offers like this out there. This is it. Jesus says, come to me and find rest. He's also inviting you to come and become like him. His yoke is a place of rest. Second, it's also a tool for growth. The yoke of Jesus is a tool for growth. So we're invited to come away with him, recharge, rest, withdraw. We're also invited to come and learn from him. It doesn't just say come and rest. He says come and grow. Verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Again, this is where the picture of Bessie and Timmy is it's most helpful. Just like Timmy needs to learn the way, right? It needs to be shaped and learned, we need to be yoked with Jesus if we ever want to become like him. Because the yoke is both a picture of deep, like soul-level rest and of hard, gritty work. It's both withdrawal and it's engagement intensely. And here we're invited to get to work with with Master Jesus, with Rabbi Jesus, sometimes we forget that Jesus was brilliant. He's this brilliant teacher, and in the day of this text, uh, it was a goal, if not the dream, for many young Hebrew boys to become a rabbi like he was. And they'd start early, they'd work in their earliest days of education under a teacher to memorize Hebrew scriptures. They'd start with the first five books, the Torah, and if you passed, you got to move on. If you if you didn't you were sent home. You'd go learn a trade, probably from your father. You'd apprentice there. That's where you—that's where you'd invest your time. Uh, Jesus was actually both a carpenter and a rabbi. But if you passed, you got to move on to to memorize the whole Old Testament. Which congratulations, right? That sounds great. But then there'd be another round of cuts and more sent home, sort of like like the voice for future rabbis, right? You, you'd go through this process, and very few would make it to the end. Not surprisingly, but if you did, you would then be invited by a rabbi to take on his yoke and learn directly from him all the rabbi things that he knew and all the things that he did. and literally follow him around and learn what it means to be a rabbi. You'd become a follower, a disciple, an apprentice in his yoke, yoked to him. And in that invitation, the rabbi is basically saying, I think you can become like me come, follow me. And that is Jesus's, that's his invitation to us. But just like the metaphor suggests, right, this, method, this this picture of plowing in a field, it's going to take effort. Learning to plow is hard work, after all, and, and life with Jesus will mean discipline to do things that we wouldn't choose to do otherwise, right? We're in the yoke with him. Now, don't Misunderstand, Jesus, he doesn't need you to come and earn anything or prove yourself. That's all been done for you. Or he's finished the work of making you acceptable to God by doing it himself. The gospel is fundamentally opposed to earning, but it is, is definitely not opposed to efforts. You'll hear us say that all the time. And, and so this is a challenge to get to work with Jesus. Come and learn with me. And one of the most powerful ways we do that is through what are called the spiritual disciplines, these practices that we can engage, things that we can do to put ourselves in the way of God's changing grace. Or you and I, we can't change ourselves, only God can do that. But there are practices that we can engage where God can, can change us. And so in the guidebook, hopefully you grabbed one of these and have been engaging it. This chapter starts like this, says, a disciple who's ready for Monday puts on the yoke, pursuing intimacy with God through the spiritual disciplines, and then goes on to say, that we know that embracing our unique Monday mission is difficult, so how do we prepare? How do we get ready for Monday? Well, Dallas Willard argues that to perform on, in those moments when we're on the spot, we must be preparing while we're off the spot. Preparation, he says, comes through regular engagement with the spiritual disciplines. In those obscure, in the obscurity of of your your table at 5:30 in the morning, whenever it is that you might get get time alone with God, in those obscure off-the-spot moments of life, you engage the discipline so that you're ready when everything in life hits. Disciplines like Bible reading and prayer, like solitude and silence, like fasting and, and feasting and celebration. There, there are a number of them, right? Practices that we can engage to prepare us for life on Monday. Or that hard conversation with a family member that you've been dreading. that de- The stress from that deadline at work that just will not go away. Or, or that difficult parenting decision that we have to make over and over again. Right, how, how will we, we be ready for these things if we're not training for them and that's what the disciplines are for now sometimes as pastors you'll hear us say kind of over and over again like you should read your Bible and pray more <laughs> which which makes you know it probably sounds like a med, like a medical professional saying you know if you really want to be healthy you should eat well and exercise right that way, uh, there's no way around it we know we should do those things right we know that we we will not be healthy. We will not, we will not be who we were made to be if we're not taking care of our bodies. And many of us have experienced the same thing in our spiritual lives, right? You've experienced real growth over time engaging the disciplines with Jesus. But it takes work. It doesn't always taste good. It doesn't happen overnight. But the first time you sit down to a kale salad and choose that over a cheeseburger, you kind of hate your life. Or it's just so much chewing <laughs> kale. But <laughs> that first time you're on a treadmill, right? You just kill me. I hate this. But over time, not only do you actually grow to kind of enjoy—do you grow to enjoy kale salad? I do. No, there's a lot of haters out there. Not only do you develop a taste for kind of healthy living, but you exper- you really experience the results of a healthy lifestyle, more energy, better, you're sleeping better. If you need to lose weight, that starts to happen, right? And our spiritual life is is similar. If you want to be ready for it, you and I have to engage the disciplines. It's the blocking and tackling of the Christian life. It's the way that Jesus us, changes us and shapes us. I want to highlight, too, as next steps, they're, they're actually in the series guide, with a lot more detail, but, but just a couple that I want to highlight this morning, that, frankly, this is a sermon for me. I, when this series guide was written, I didn't know that this was going to be so applicable for me. So first, if you want to be ready for Monday, you have to bring back the Sabbath. Engage the discipline of Sabbath rest. rest resting from work and contribution. It's simply a day off. For some of us, that's we need to start there—a day, a day off when you're not consumed with with email or homework or whatever it is that just drains you. Which means you have to sometimes you have to work harder on the other six days of the week. That may be true, and for some of us, this is really hard because our work is inside the home, raising kids. It's hard to find that space to step aside and rest. But we need to work at it. To set aside a time when we say to God, "I trust you to do the work to work when I'm when I'm not working. I trust you to continue your mission in this world while I'm resting." And for many of us, that begins with here, church on Sunday. It's your day to rest, to serve, to worship, to fellowship. So be careful not to hurry it. It's where we find the space to prioritize to reevaluate, to listen and reflect, all in the presence of God, knowing that he's at work even when you're, when you're not working. And trust me, this is precisely, this is what I need. Um, turns out Sunday is no longer really that Sabbath day for me as much as it used to be for the rest of my life, and I'm still trying to work out. What does it mean for me to work hard and not working? But we need this. If we want rest and joy and satisfaction, there's no other place to find it. It's like saying to the doctor, no, I'll find a different way to be healthy. There's just no other way. We need to try this. So if it's new to you, try it maybe just one day a week for a month. Not only will that day become a source of delight and joy for you, but it will make the rest of your week better as you engage in withdrawal withdraw from work and engage the other six days. Second, if you want this kind of rest, you also need to start and end your day with prayer as a discipline, as a habit. So when you lay your head down for bed tonight, pray. Just start there, five five minutes maybe, or turn to Psalm 4, the evening prayer. And then when you wake up tomorrow, pray. Do it again, maybe five minutes, turn to Psalm 5, the morning Prayer, and then when you go to bed, pray. And then when you wake up, pray. Right, And then all throughout the day, in these little moments, prayer can become the natural rhythm of your life where you see that God is always there when he's invited you into the yoke. He's with you always. We will not be able to rest in his yoke without spending time in prayer. And Eugene Peterson, in Answering God, he's <laughs> written this about prayer. He says, in prayer, we intend, to leave, we intend to leave the world of anxieties and enter a world of wonder. We decide to leave an ego-centered world, or it's about me, and enter a God-centered world. We, we will to leave a world of problems and enter a world of mystery, but it is not easy. We are used to anxieties, egos, and problems. We are not used to wonder, God, and mystery. I think that's exactly right. You have, to choose, you have to choose to enter a world where God is in the middle and he, he can take care of you. You can rest outside of your, in the middle of your problems. You can offer, offer these things to God and enter the yoke of Jesus. So try it every day for a week and there's a template in here that's really helpful to follow. Pray through the Psalms. If, you, if you'd like some practical ideas, Tim and I would love to talk with you about those. But the yoke is a tool for growth, and Jesus invites you, whatever stage or season of life you're in, to to enter into his yoke, even with, with all of your unique makeup, to come and grow with him, which brings us to our final observation this morning. The yoke is a place of rest. It's a tool for growth. And finally, the yoke is custom fit to you. Look at verse 30. Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me. Why? Because you will find rest. Why? Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean that, it's, that life now is easier as we enter the yoke with Jesus? No, we've covered that. Last week, we have to come and die. It's not easy. It's not simpler. It's not, it's not like the burdens are removed from us. Here's what it means, it's attached to this symbol again. When a carpenter made the yoke for little Timmy, he didn't just pull size medium off the rack and and strap it onto his kind of young, tender neck and then just say, go, learn how to plow. No, a a good farmer wouldn't do that. The carpenter would actually make the harness fit the, the neck, not too tight, not too loose, follow the contours of that particular animal Otherwise, Timmy wouldn't make it through the training. If it was too tight or too loose, it wouldn't work. And so it is with Jesus' yoke and, and you. He's got a yoke made for you, different than the yoke that he's made for your parents or for your spouse or for your mentor or for me. Right? No one else has the Monday that you are facing. No one else is wired the way that you are. Jesus has called you to bring your burdens and weariness to him. To take on, take on this yoke where he is on one side and he has made the other side just for you. Your discipleship is custom fit to you. There is no one else whose life with Jesus is going to look exactly like yours will. Now, many of the practices are the same, right? Plowing a field has very basic components that are going to be evolved every time. And so it is with our discipleship. With Jesus, we all have to learn forgiveness. That's not something that comes naturally to us, right? We have to learn that after we've been in the yoke for a bit. We have to learn endurance. We have to learn what it means to love our enemies. And yet, there are things about your life that will be different than mine. And Jesus says his yoke is easy. It's personalized for you, for your Monday. And he calls it light, which sounds too good to be true, but here's what he means, and we'll start. We'll wrap up here. Again, Jesus is not saying that life will be without burden. Like his yoke is sort of this featherlight model that is weightless. He's saying that comparatively, it's way better than anything else. Everything else you will try in this life that you will look to for rest, people that you will look to, jobs that you will look to, kids that you will invest in, everything else that you look to, human expectations... A set of guidelines that you follow that you think will bring you rest on the other side. Everything else is a heavy yoke compared to the one that Jesus offers you. It's light in comparison to everything else that we try to give ourselves to to find rest. You won't find it anywhere else. Jesus says, come, take my yoke upon you. Yes, it's going to be hard. Yes, I'm going to call you to die. I'm going to call you to grow. But only here when you find rest. There's nowhere else. you'll find it. You can keep trying. And believe me, we're all yoked to something, whether we know it or not, whether we realize it or not, we are looking somewhere for rest, somewhere how to navigate this life. And Jesus says, no, come to me. Personally, he says to you, personally, come to me and find rest for your souls in my yoke. And the question is, how will you respond to his invitation this morning? He's inviting you to come and find exactly what your soul needs, whatever that is today. To come and grow, to come and learn from him as the master, the most brilliant person who ever lived. Enter his his rhythms of withdrawal and, and engagement. It's an invitation made to you specifically. Well, how will you respond? Come to Jesus and find rest. This morning, this week, in this season, whatever it is you're walking through, whatever you're facing, this month, this year, come to Him. It's the only place where you'll find what you need. And let's do that together as a church. These rhythms of rest and work. Let's come to our our Savior together. Let's pray. Father, thank you that in the middle of what I what I know, for me is, is a very busy, hectic season of life. Edwards, I'm tempted to w- wonder how how it will all get done. Feel o- overwhelmed at times. God, that you make this very simple invitation and a promise of rest, if we just come to you and be near to you, and that as we are in your presence and practice with you, God, that you will give us what we need. So, God, I pray that we would respond individually today and, and as a church to whatever it is that you're inviting us, that you've called us into, that we would answer this invitation to come and find rest in you.